Dad, you know how you were saying I need to do more, be more, the whole fast fiber thing? Yes. Anyways, I saw that Vox is offering free standard installation and activation to the value of 3,000 rands. <laughs> That is a good deal. With the money you save, I can buy some new skins for Fortnite. Talk about money in the bank. With free activation to the value of 3,000 Rand. Live smart. Hack life. Level up with Vox Fiber. Visit vox.co.za. T's and C's apply. I'm Richard Fleberg. And I'm Duncan McLeod. This is Talk Central, episode 256 for the week starting 7 April 2019. Talk Central is brought to you by Tech Central. You can WhatsApp the show on 71 On Talk Central this week, um, Bitcoin is back, baby. <laughs> also on the show this week, uh, Huawei launches the P30 and the P30 Pro in South Africa. Apple's iPad turns nine. It feels like longer than that. And mm. the meaning behind the Matrix's green falling rain code. It's Sunday afternoon, it's 1 p.m. We're live streaming at live.techcentral.co.za and it's time to talk everything tech. Welcome to the show. How's it, Rechat? How's it, Duncan? All good, thanks. Um, yeah, we were just saying before we started recording that it's been a bit of a quiet news week on the tech front. Mm. Not a huge amount happening this week, um, but uh, we've got. We, a- we all need a break sometimes, don't we? <laughs> uh, but there are a few things bubbling under which we can talk about, mm. um, which we'll dive into shortly. But uh, let's do our quiz. The first question: Which sovereign wealth fund manager has taken an eight percent stake in Liquid Telecom Group? And which country has accused Vodacom of depriving the state of 68 million rand? Third question. Reports say WikiLeaks' Julian Assange will soon be expelled from an embassy in London. Which embassy is he holed up in? And related to that, how long has Assange been in the embassy for? (laughs) I can't believe he's still there. It's crazy. (laughs) It's unbelievable. (laughs) And the last question. NASA slammed which country for blowing up a satellite in space this week, potentially endangering the International Space Station with orbiting debris? Yeah, we'll get to the answers to those questions at the end of the show. But um, let's let's get into this week's news and... um, on a quiet news week, uh, Bitcoin um, has grabbed headlines again uh, for the first time in a while by shooting up over $1,000 in the space of, I think it was about an hour uh, last, uh, when was it? It was, um, I forget which day it was. I think it might have been Monday or was it even last? April, April Fool's. Was it April Fool's Day that it went out? I don't know. I'm asking. It sounds like <laughs> it's something that happened, ironically, on April Fool's. <laughs> Uh, but it's it's um, it ramped up from uh, from around four thousand dollars. It had been ticking up slightly from its lows around three thousand four hundred dollars. It had been ticking up very slowly to above four thousand dollars, and then all of a sudden, out of the blue, it just jumped above five thousand dollars. So basically, a thousand dollar jump, and it's held on to those gains. And um, I had a look just now, and it's trading around five thousand two hundred dollars. Um, this is still a long way from where it was trading at the end of last year, obviously, or the end of 2017, rather, mm. uh, when it peaked close to $20,000. Um, but for long-suffering Bitcoin investors, yours truly included, um, it's, a, <laughs> it's a bit exciting to watch uh, Bitcoin suddenly get some life again, although no one seems to know why it's rally- rallying so suddenly. Yeah, the one thing we have I've been noticing with Bitcoin is the lack of excitement and activity that that it had maybe i'm just not open to it and maybe i'm not in the industry so i wouldn't see these things necessarily but it, it, it it's still a very interesting and i would say little worrying concept still i mean we we don't quite know the full extent of you know the full capabilities of bitcoin right is it going to be the big thing that it's we planning know. to be mm. or you know, you know what i'm saying so it's kind of i was expecting it to be a bigger thing by now i'm not talking about the value i'm talking about the actual implementation of the technology uh, as a kind of more, replacement as, for fiat currencies it's not happening yeah yet. yeah or, or, mm. or used in interesting scenarios like small businesses using it for something or i don't know big corporate i don't, I don't know I, I saw a few shops enabling bitcoin payment which is pretty cool but yeah. um like i said it's 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 i'm eagerly waiting to see what's going to happen like what is the big uptake what is the mass consumer uptake for bitcoin going to be mm. Is it Apple, Apple TV perhaps? I don't know, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I, I suppose the question is what, um, what problem does it solve? I mean, fiat currencies work 
reasonably well for us, um, especially for in-country transactions. I, I think uh, mm. cross-border transactions are a little bit more, more uh, difficult, yeah. um, and maybe Bitcoin is going to solve that to some extent. Um, but I don't see consumers in any sort of hurry to replace fiat with Bitcoin, except unless you live in a place like Zimbabwe or Venezuela. Mm. Let's also be honest, the banking system is not really in their interest to have this thing lingering around in the actual currency mm. system you know it, it's if you can't control it uh, you know there's the, the powers that be <laughs> in the banking in the big banking circles i mean they obviously need to profit off uh, um uh, their systems right mm. bitcoin doesn't doesn't allow for that yeah so the the jury's out does it does it change fiat currency does it have to cha- change the world of money um i mean clearly mm. it's a very exciting concept um, and, you know, there's a lot of very smart people working behind the scenes and mm. building it, and not just Bitcoin, all cryptocurrencies. Um, but, yeah, that, that, um, that, that must use uh, use case, that, that compelling use case that would get people to, uh, to use it for everyday business. It doesn't seem mm. to be there. See, people are still, are still treating it more as, a, as an investment class. It's something you buy and speculate on. Yeah. Rather than, and how many- sorry, Rahat. No, no, go for it, go for it. I was just saying, rather than actually using it as day-to-day money, people are not really mm. doing that to any large degree. I agree. I think people also still don't understand it, right? Still yeah. don't understand it. Um, and that's not, part of the complexity. It's not easy to get into, no. Um, mm. If you want to buy Bitcoin, you – I mean, it's a lot easier than it used to be, and they're, um, you know, these exchanges have made it quite easy to, to buy and sell Bitcoin, but – at the end of the day, you're not buying this for um, to replace your rands. You're buying this as a speculative instrument, thinking you might can make a good return on it. Yeah, exactly. And I was I was just typing something as uh, you were saying that I, I recall seeing some. I think Samsung has it, and then I think Huawei might also be looking into that. But crypto wallets for your phone mm. that's kind of embedded on your phone with that little chip that they've got, enabling you to use Bitcoin with more things, I think, within your operating system or with, within your transactions, there's potentially something there, I think, because um, our phones are there all the time. Maybe you could use some of the, the, the processing power. I don't know. Um, I don't think you want to – you certainly don't want to mine Bitcoin on your phone. <laughs> yeah, but if you if, – if, if, I mean, we've got a lot of processing power, right? If you plug yeah. your phone in overnight and you just let it do its thing, yeah, uh, it's not going to make you money, let's be honest, but it's, no. it's, it's a nice novel thing. I mean, you know, if – if we see more cryptocurrencies that really become something, especially in the early days, it might be it might be useful. No, I don't know. But we don't see it enough. Yeah, mm. we, we don't see it anywhere. The potential is there for this to be a, a world-changing technology. The the question is, what is the um, what, what's the phrase? What is the killer app for this um, for this money for for cryptos? Mm. And I'm not seeing it yet, anyway. Um, but as again, there's some very smart people working on this, and, and maybe that killer app is, is waiting in the wings, and it is still going to change the world. But um, for now, people are treating it as investment classes, which is exactly what I'm doing. I'm just having a bet on it, mm, uh, put mm. some money in so that I'm excited and interest, keep myself interested in what's going on. But I must just say, um, being invested in Bitcoin over the last six months has been very, very tedious and boring. I mean, nothing's been going on, especially over the last, mm. I don't know, um, prior to the move a week ago, it's – was trading in a very narrow range around $3,700, $3,800 and really not going anywhere. I'd I'd actually stopped looking, checking the price. Now suddenly it jumps $1,000 and everyone's interested again. So... Makes you wonder, was it done on purpose? Was it to to just reinvigorate some interest around Bitcoin? I don't know. I mean, there's there's a speculation that someone bought $100 million worth of Bitcoin and that's what's caused the the price to surge. Mm. so, and there's definitely interest in it still, and I think a lot of people are, are obviously still sitting on Bitcoin and watching it very closely. Um, yeah. and, and it's good. I think it's good that there's some volatility coming back in because, um, you know, if it was just going to stay at $3,800 and not move, then I think people just kind of lose interest in it. Yeah, exactly. We need some exciting things to happen, but but you can see all those transactions. Uh, uh, you can see all those transactions, right? So you'd be mm. able to see if somebody did massive chunks. Yeah. Yeah, right. I think so. Um, although, uh, you know, I, I don't think that those sort of purchases would be done all in one 
tranche that'd be done oh, across mul- across multiple exchanges and multiple bitcoin um wallets and stuff so mm. but um uh, people have looked at it and there's speculation that there was a, i think it was a 100 million dollar purchase of bitcoin that caused the price spike but the, what's what's interesting is that um it's it's it not only maintained its level of recovery at around 5000 but it's continued to um it's continued to grow and i i'm not sure i i, I um give any credibility to any credence to um the people who look at the the charting around bitcoin um so you know is it trading above or below its 200 day average looking at things like bollinger bands and all these things that technical traders do i I don't know if there's anything to that um but um certainly uh reading some of the technical analysis the suggestion is that um bitcoin is back on a bullish footing and um is is likely to continue to rise but but who knows i mean uh, sometimes I think that um, that those that takes a little technical analysis is is no, is no different to reading tarot cards. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's speculation, right? Yeah, um, just just wait for someone to come into the market and sell a hundred million dollars worth of Bitcoin, and it's all the way down again. <laughs> um, and and you've got these whales, so-called whales, in that in the Bitcoin uh, community. Guys are sitting on massive, massive amounts of Bitcoin, and they can they can move the, the value of the market. Yeah, interesting. I wish I was one of those. Yeah, me too. I just, I, I wish, I, I read another story of two, weeks, two or three weeks ago about somebody who forgot the Bitcoin password, uh, uh, Bitcoin, uh, uh, yeah, yeah, the, the key, so they couldn't yeah. get access to the thousands of dollars worth of Bitcoin. Yes. That's funny. There was a... Um there was an episode of Silicon Valley, I forget which season it was in, where the guy, they, the guy had um, a huge amount of Bitcoin on uh, on a USB key, uh, which got tossed in the, in the rubbish bin. So um, <laughs> spent the episode trawling through a, a rubbish dump trying to find his USB key. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure that's happened somewhere in the world. Oh, it must without have a, oh it's, without, I, think it's, I think it's actually based on a true story, that episode. Yeah. <laughs> that's so funny. <laughs> and then, Oof. of course, there's the famous um, story of the guy who bought um, – he bought two pizzas uh, for with Bitcoin back before Bitcoin was really valuable, and and the value of those two pizzas today runs into I forget the figure, but something like tens of millions of dollars. Oh. <laughs> and, uh, uh, so when are you going to sell? Are you going to are you going to stick around for a bit? I'm, I'm not I'm not selling. I'm 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 okay. hodling. I'm okay. gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna hurdle for the uh, for the foreseeable future. Um, even if it goes back to even if it goes up to twenty thousand dollars, I'm still going to hold it. Um, because you never know. I mean, it mm. it could eventually. I saw Simon Dingle, who's um, uh, a former colleague of ours, uh, tweet a, a while ago that um, one Satoshi, which I think is a millionth of a Bitcoin, um, huh. it will be worth one US dollar sometime in the future. Um, uh, probably sure. Sometime in the very far distant future. But uh, So guys are bullish out there still about um, the prospects for this thing. Yeah, I'm out of that race. I'm so far behind the Bitcoin race. I'm did you ever buy any? T- no, I didn't. Yeah. I did. I did. I played with the mining back in the day, but nothing substantial. Yeah. Did you Did you keep keep the proceeds of your mining? No, it's, I've, I've, I'm one of those stories where I just erased the app on my machine. I wiped it one day. I didn't really worry about too much about whatever I mined at that point. So, yeah. 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 Were you? I what, thought it was a thing. I thought what, it was a thing. What price <laughs> What price were you mining at though, as a matter of interest? Uh, I can't remember. It was very early days. I mean, I, I so that so that uh, that stuff you mind under, actually might be worth something today. Matt, it I would, it was definitely close to a bitcoin. I remember coming close to it. Yeah, thinking, oh, that's pretty cool. But um, yeah, one bitcoin is it worth quite a lot yeah, of money. <laughs> yeah, so it's, it's you know it's one of those things, right? I mean, yeah. it's it's I'm sure a lot of people have that story. Yes. You now you play with some software. Oh, this is a little cool little thing. Let's see what this can do. Hmm. Run it for a month, and then yeah, yeah. And the circle halving is happening uh, next year, and um, to talk that that could also light a fire under Bitcoin's price. But mm. it's exciting again. I um, I like to see the volatility in the Bitcoin market because um, when it's when it's it was almost flatlining over the last few months, and, and to see it <laughs> bouncing again um, adds add some um, uh, excitement mm. uh, to to just being an investor in it and watching it. Um, and I'm definitely going to hold it for for a long time. So, Bitcoin is back, baby. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Um, so Huawei, uh, you went along to the launch this week. I was meant to be there, but um, had an emergency to deal with, so I couldn't get there. But um, uh, they've launched the P30 Pro, uh, and um, Huawei is, is certainly on an upward trajectory um, mm. ever since, I think, the launch of the P20 Pro a year ago. And then, of course, the launch of the Mate 20 Pro um, towards the end of last year. You've had a look at this device now, Rehat. Uh, what's your, what are your thoughts? Look, there's no doubt that this is a very slick and very nice device, but I'm still a very happy Mate 20 Pro user, I must be honest with you. But some of the interesting things about this device, I mean, in terms of look and feel, holding it in your hand, it's kind of very much that uh, kind of that Mate 20 Pro kind of look and feel, you know, apart from the subtle differences in the camera, um, which I'll get to in a moment. What I found particularly interesting was that there's no speaker grill on the phone. So if you look at photographs of the phone, there's no speaker grill on the front. It's, there's just a little buttonhole for the camera. Um, and that's kind of it. And, and how they do it, how they get sound to your ear is there's actually a speaker built in behind the screen, which does some vibrating stuff. And then you hear the call. I didn't get a chance to listen to it. So I'm quite keen. That's probably the one thing I'm looking forward to the most to trying out the actual call quality of that specific technology. Mm, interesting. Um, one, yeah, it's pretty interesting. One yeah. downside of the Mate 20 Pro is the speaker is built into the USB port at the bottom of the phone. Yeah, so if you yeah. plug it into charge and you're, you're listening to music, um, uh, with not on headphones, mm, in other words, mm. you plug it into power, then um, the the music becomes muffled. Which is yeah, yeah. I often hold my phone, and then you you, you kind of cover it by accident too, mm. and it muffles the sound. Mm. And it, it's it's a it's 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 one of the downsides of that phone. But to be honest with you, with the amount of Bluetooth speakers that I have, well, I've got a Bluetooth speaker and a headphones, uh, and I've got a little adapter for my car now. It's kind of alright, you know. I'm not too worried about that. Yeah, as long as the camera is good. Now, speaking of that camera, the one thing obviously where the, where Huawei is pushing this is is kind of at the photography. They're saying that this is the best camera, obviously, in the market, and they're really pushing the kind of unusual photography or the it's, – it's just unusual in terms of the quality of what you can do with this camera. So it's got a 40-megapixel main camera, the P30 and the P30 Pro. There's also a P30 Lite, which has um, got a lower-spec camera. It doesn't have this uh, fancy camera. Yeah. One of the interesting things, though, it's got a zoom lens, an optical zoom lens built into this body. Now, if you think about what an optical zoom lens is, it's shifting glass, right, mm. to get that lens um, or to get that image uh, zoomed in. So what they've done is they've built a very, a very interesting technology, and you can actually see it in the back of the phone. It's a very cool-looking little mechanism, but it, it's, a, it's, it's built in uh, horizontally into the body with a little prism that essentially shoots outwards. Um, so that that little uh, stacking lenses moves moves behind your screen um, to get the desired optical zoom. It's got a five times optical zoom, and you can push it to fifty times, I think, in total. Yes, that's right. Which, which is absolutely insane. They did a demo on it. You obviously have to put it on a tripod at that distance, but it's not it's not really practical for most use, to be honest. Five times optical could be uh, could be quite useful, but I never use zoom on my smartphone, to be honest. It just doesn't really. You know, just it's it's the, the the image quality isn't that great when you zoom in, regardless. But, but yeah, optical, again, of course, there's no loss in quality, so you can get no for sure. But if you if you're looking at using a zoom, you'd normally zoom into something that you want to shoot. But your 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 hand shake, there's still a bit of shake, right? So yeah. it'll be interesting to see how they handle it. I didn't actually play with it. You know, took my own photograph to see what it's like. I'm sure it's going to be fine. Um, but if you push it to 50 times, it's it's really a little bit impractical. Yeah, but you don't really want to do 50 times <laughs> dig digital zoom because you're going to get an awful loss of quality, uh, of course. Yeah. And I'd imagine that the optical image stabilization within the phone does a pretty good job of the five times mm. optical mm. zoom. Look, I mean, I can imagine this thing will be perfect for parents who want to, you know, the kind of scenario where parents in the back of the wall want to shoot the kids on stage, you know, that type of thing. Yeah. Or yeah. if you're in a game vehicle and you just want to just want to zoom a little bit, for, for sure. I think I think this is really going to address that need. Mm. And, I mean, based on the Mate 20 Pro's image quality, you know, if you, if, you, if you just kind of take that with an optical zoom, it could be pretty good. I agree. Yeah. The other, the other interesting thing about this um, camera is the ISO sensitivity. So they touting this as a very, a very good low-light shooter. Mm -hmm. They push the, the ISO sensitivity. I mean, you know a bit about ISO sensitivity, yes. right? Your film, 100, 200, 400. Um, it's just kind of a rating for those that don't know as to the sensitivity of light. Now, in general, your high-end high uh, digital SLR will probably push maybe 12 or 20,000 ISO. 
But this phone pushed that to 409,000. Hmm, that's very impressive, yeah. Obviously, incredibly grainy, I think, at that resolution, uh, at that ISO rating, because um, the higher you push, obviously, the more grain you get. Yeah. But for most phones, for most images you use on social media, right, it, it should be more than sufficient. If you can shoot in low light conditions, um, potentially without using a flash, because I hate, I hate flash photography for one, but just getting, getting that extra brightness out of the images, I think mm. this could be a pretty big thing for, you know, cell phone photographers. And we kind of all are a cell phone, we're all cell phone photographers. And of course, you can, um, you can remove that graininess quite easily in, in Lightroom for your phone. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, Lightroom is very good at, um, at, at doing that specifically. Uh, and it, it runs on Android. So um, fire up Lightroom and remove that graininess and you could actually end up with a really good picture that taken in very low light conditions. Yeah. And, and again, because you're using it mostly on social media, you know, that grain doesn't look as apparent. So if you just mm. throw a filter or two on there, like you said, um, it, will, it won't look as bad. So, so that is going to be quite an exciting uh, thing to keep an eye on. But yeah, a, a 400,000 ISO rating is pretty insane, no matter how you, you yeah. look at it. Yeah, my, um, uh, my DSLR goes up to, um, I think it's two and a half million on, on the ISO range. <laughs> uh, not that I've ever shot at that, but it, it does go that high. <laughs> yeah, it's insane. I mean, yeah, it, we're going to get to a point where you're just going to have a sensor that just absorbs every bit of light at full resolution. I mean, imagine yeah. those day, that day. It's going to be, uh, yeah, <laughs> interesting day for self and photography. Yeah. Um, so the, the phone's going to be available for around 19 grand, so it's not a cheapy. So it um, competes head-on with the Galaxy S10. Yes. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is the high end. I was still, I'm, I'm still looking forward to seeing at the end of the year if they bring out uh, the upgrade to the Mate 20. Oh, they will. Although I, although I won't be upgrading this year. I'm no. going to have to wait for my cycle yes. <laughs> next. Yeah. Yes. Um, but again, I'm sure my phone's going to be, you know, still fulfilling the need very well, like it does now next year. So I'm not mm. too worried about it. It's a very well built camera. Um, and oh, and they also got a very good uh, front facing camera on this thing. So for those that like to shoot selfies, um, you'll be able to do so at a very nice, very high resolution, uh, which is great. Yeah, twenty megapixels. Sorry, twenty. Yeah, no, it sounds it sounds like a great phone on paper, and I'm sure it's a good phone in 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 the metal, as it were, as well. Mm, uh, mm. I'm I'm really looking forward to seeing that Mate 30 Pro later this year. Um, yeah, yeah. And, uh, I, I also won't be upgrading, but uh, I guess both of us will will see what's in the market next year. But I'm sure the mm. Mate 40 Pro will be out uh, towards the second half of next year. But just think of it like this: we'll be in line for an upgrade with a Mate 50 Pro, Duncan. <laughs> That's where it's at. <laughs> The other thing they spoke about at the launch, which is also coming to South Africa, which I'm a little bit more excited about, to be honest with mm. you, is the the laptop, the P30, uh, the, the Mate, Mate X. Sorry, the Mate X. Yeah, that's it. That's a beautiful machine. Um, so yeah, I'm really. If if you look at the quality of the hardware over the last kind of year, year or two, I think um, I think this could be a really good MacBook contender if you're looking for that kind of design. You know yes. what I'm saying? Yes. Um, and they've got this new feature that they demoed. Um, <laughs> the demo didn't work first time, but uh, to their credit, I think the uh, the feature was turned off. Um, but you can just tap. If you've got a Huawei phone, you'll now be able to just tap on the notebook, and then it transfers content. It's called OneOp. So if you want to transfer any data on your phone or from your notebook to your phone, um, you'll just be able to do it with NFC and tap your notebook on a specific spot and you can transfer data between the two, which is pretty, pretty cool. That's pretty cool. So you can, you can presume in the app you'll be able to set up what exactly you want tra- transferred, like a specific folder, for example. Yeah, you just have the app open. So if you, if you want to, they were showing a, a presentation. So if you have a PowerPoint on your screen, on your notebook, you just want to do some work on it, you want to transfer to your phone, have it open, touch your, um, touch your notebook with your phone and it transfers it directly to your um, smartphone and vice versa. Yeah, it's pretty, pretty exciting. But, you know, less exciting for me as a user, but still, still it'll be interesting to see what that five times optical zoom can do, I think. Yeah. And you're right about that, Matex. Um, if I was in the market today for a, for a, for a laptop, a new laptop, I'd, I'd be giving serious consideration to that machine. Mm. Mm. Um, and it's apparently got very good battery life as well. Yeah, I'm sure if they if they implement some of the artificial intelligence with the batteries on the notebook as they do with their smartphones, um, could be a very interesting thing yeah. uh, to see in terms of productivity. Obviously, it's not a gaming machine. This is a pure. It'll be a business machine. Sure. Sure. But um, yeah, while we're again pretty impressive with what with, with what they can do, um, China, yeah, China is coming. 
<laughs> but you're ready, man. Already here. <laughs> Just having a bit of trouble getting into the US, but uh, that's another story. <laughs> but the US has got Apple, so they're fine. Yeah. Speaking of which, uh, the iPad, Apple iPad, is nine years old this week. Went wow. on sale for the first time this week, nine years ago. It feels like longer, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, if, if I relate it to the iPhone launch and how that kind of impacted it, it that also feels like ages ago. That was 2007. Much younger, yeah. Yeah, and the iPad is 2010, so it's, it's been in the market for a long time, I guess. Um, that original iPad, I didn't own one. Did you own the original? Mm-mm. I, had, no, no, I got no. the iPad 2, the second generation one, um, and then followed that up with an iPad uh, Air 2 uh, and recently got the iPad Pro, the 2018 mm. edition. Um, and um, as far as I'm concerned, it's the only tablet worth considering. Oh, yeah. Look, oh, that's the other thing that, sorry, just to jump back, while well, we also announced their new tablets, so that will also be something interesting to, to see in the flesh. Mm. But I agree with you, nothing has, nothing has really competed with it at all. I mean, I still have an old-generation iPad, and it fulfills its function so many years later still perfectly mm. well. I mean, as a media, I always use my iPads as media consumption rather than productivity. Yeah. But for that point, it's it's brilliant. There's nothing like it. Battery life is insane. Yes, yeah. quality of the f- uh, the video is insane. Um, and it's just a, it's just nice to hold. You know, they really got it right. There's no finicky things that you have to worry about uh, buttons and things. It's it's just a slick unit. Yeah, there, and there have been so many challenges over the years to uh, uh, to the iPad, and none of them has really um, been terribly successful. I, sp- I suppose the closest has been the Samsung. Android tablets, but they really don't appeal to me that much. I, I, I don't really like Android that much in that form factor. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, we've some of some pretend, some challenges have disappeared altogether. If we remember the BlackBerry Playbook, uh, which was a oh, complete yeah. disaster. Um, <laughs> uh, nothing. I remember the HTC Flyer quite fondly. That was also. Oh, I never used that one. That. <laughs> it was a pen. They were one of the first guys to do the pen okay. that you can write on. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, the iPad, it's its just, they just got it right. Um, and the new iPad Air looks very nice. Um, it, it, it's sort of mid-range between their basic one and the iPad Pro, and it seems to be the device that will appeal to the, to most people. Mm. Um, I really love my iPad Pro, and I'm increasingly using it uh, to do work, not just media consumption. So um, uh, particularly using Microsoft Word, which is very good on the iPad. Um, uh, my laptop with the load shedding we had recently, my, uh, my laptop wasn't always fully charged. So I just popped my, um, pop, pop my iPad into a Logitech, uh, keyboard, um, mm. and, uh, carried on working and it was fine. Nice. Nice. Yeah. I mean, I, th- I think with the big, the pro, we're really seeing what the, the kind of the true future of that device is with the power in it, that yeah. beautiful screen and that pen. I mean, now it's becoming a real productivity machine i think before i when i first got it i was trying to use it as a you know like a a machine that i could go to events with or do whatever and and kind of record stories and things and it didn't really work like that for me it kind of just again ended up being a a media device yes um which is what it has historically been yeah 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 i'm I'm just surprised that they haven't have they changed the, the the layout of the icons it always used to be the weirdest you know, you have all those icons, but they're so far apart. They're spaced, you know, mm. so weirdly. That's always the one thing that irked me about the, the interface. You know, you have to scroll so much to get to your fifth, fourth screen. Yeah. Uh, if you've got a few icons on there. Well, uh, I group I group all my icons together. Um, uh, um, but OCD like that. So I've got productivity, mm. streaming, social media, security, messaging, <laughs> magazines, that sort of <laughs> thing. So everything's grouped in neat, and I don't have more than one homepage on my iPad. Um, but apparently with iOS 13, which is going to be announced at the Worldwide Developers Conference in June, um, one of the big changes for this, um, for this year's iOS update is going to be a major overhaul of the iPad home screen. Yeah, it's about time. They really, because there's a lot of real estate there that you're not optimi- that you're not using optimally. Yes, I agree. It works. It works better on an iPhone, um, but it doesn't translate that well onto the iPad. You're mm. right. There's big spaces between the icons, which is not really used. And I'd really love the ability to see more Android-style widgets on on the um, on the iPad's yeah. home screen. Um, and yeah, the, it'll and make the, and the ways of doing it. I mean, they really kind of do it. If you scroll to the left on your iPad and you get the, uh, I'm not sure what they call that page, but you do the search and it shows you Siri app suggestions, screen time, and uh, stocks and tips and all that sort of thing. They could they could um, in- integrate some of those elements, I think, onto the home screen um, mm-hmm. in in a better mm-hmm. way. Um, um, so it's gonna be, it's going to be very interesting to see what what the iOS beta looks like when it comes out in June. 
Yeah, look, they can certainly do. I think uh, they, I think they have neglected that part of the operating system for a bit. Um, mm. The apps and things were fine, but there was yeah, there was just felt like there was a bit of disconnect. Yeah, um, and I'm not a heavy iPad user, but as a casual iPad user, that's just what I've noticed. Yes. And they need to make better use of that USB port. Um, for example, with iOS 12, you can't plug in an external storage device. Uh, mm. It's not going to detect it. And that's just silly because um, that's mm. just a software thing. And I really hope they rectify that with iOS 13. Yeah, yeah. I think they're trying to push people to the cloud systems. But if you're a Mac user and you're in that, in that uh, environment, mm. it'll make so much sense for you to be able to plug in an external drive to both your machines, right? Yes. Uh, to either your machine to transfer data to your iPad or vice versa. I mean, we are dealing with big data most of the time when we, you know, you know if we want to do some big videos or something to show off, that's the way we do it. That's the way yeah. we would want to do it. Exactly, and transfer stuff off quickly. Mm. And I, I get the cloud argument, and maybe the cloud does make it irrelevant at some point, but um, it'll still be a nice feature to have. Yeah. Look, look Apple is America's or US-centric, right? So they don't really have too much issue with cloud or data at least there mm. i think mm. at least not the market that they are uh, targeting yes so ipad turns nine and uh, still uh, dominates and i think will continue to dominate the tablet space for some time to come but i do look forward to seeing those new uh, those new huawei t- tablets that uh, you mentioned they were announced i didn't realize they'd actually done that um, but I, I think they may still be um, held back by android not being the greatest os on tablets yeah, exactly. And Android also needs to do a bit of work there too. Uh, yeah, I think mm. in just in terms of just, uh, I mean, it's it's not bad on an Android plat on a on a tablet, but it, it I think it could be a little bit better. But yeah. you know, at least they're innovating the whole time. We're seeing some good changes from Android. Yeah, which is fantastic. To, to be fair, I'd actually rather you know for a tablet, I think I'd put iOS at number one. I'd put Android third, and um, if I if I couldn't get an iOS based tablet, I'd get a Windows ten based tablet. Oh yeah, that's we keep forgetting about those bad boys, eh? Windows ten machines. Yeah, those, it's um, not about the applications you run on those. It's really, you know, if if you ha- if all of your applications work well in that environment, yeah, it doesn't have to necessarily have to be. Uh, 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 if it's a full machine that you're holding in your hands, then yeah, yes, which is where they've done well with these. Um, what do they call them? Um, all in ones where you mm, not an all in mm. one. It's I forget the terminology. It's these ones where you fold the screen around and it becomes a tablet. Yeah, yeah. which which are which is not, are not great because then you've got the keyboard in the back and it feels a bit weird. Um, and it's still heavier than a tablet would yes, be, right? Yes, yes. Um, but yeah, uh, next year ten years of uh, ten years of iPad. Can you believe it? That's oh, crazy. We're living in the future, Duncan. <laughs> we are. Speaking of the future, and it's and going back to the past at the same time, um, our last story this week, bit of fun, uh, something you picked up, Rechart, about um, the movie The Matrix, uh, which uh, mm. I haven't rewatched since it first came out. Uh, um, but I, I think many people remember, uh, even people who haven't seen The Matrix will remember the, the lines of green code falling down the screen. Um, there's a fun story behind this. Yes. So, I mean, yeah, that's the most, probably the most iconic part of the movie. And if you, if you read the story published on The Wired, um, they had a, some extracts of an interview with, um, the guy that actually designed it, the designer behind kind of the, the visual side of that. Um, and he explains the story of how those glyphs are actually sushi recipes <laughs> out of an old sushi book, um, that he's got. Uh, apparently, it's it's a it's a, he doesn't give the name, but apparently, it's a very traditional um, Japanese sushi book that most Japanese families have in their home. So you can imagine it's okay. something that's just been you know kind of probably part of the staple uh, sushi recipe for for generations. But yeah, they they modified it a bit to 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 just look better on screen, obviously to read top down. Um, but yeah, that is <laughs> it's incredibly fascinating. But can can you believe that it's twenty years since I mean twenty years end of May that the Matrix came out? Unbelievable. How wild is that? I mean two decades with, well. I remember that nineteen ninety nine. I remember the day I first watched this movie vividly. Yeah. I mean that was a day that changed I think many geeks' lives. <laughs> uh, nineteen ninety nine, that's amazing. Nineteen ninety nine doesn't feel like that long ago. Um yeah, it feels like 10 years ago, right? Yeah. But, I mean, 99, what was happening in 99? Y2K bug was about to kill, destroy <laughs> the world. Uh, Netscape Navigator was probably the primary web browser. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> we were still using, I think we were still, I was still using dial-up. Um, Me when too. Did, yeah, fiber, f- fiber wasn't really a thing until 2000s, right? 2001, I think. I 2000. think now, yeah, 99. I think Achim, I was also da- on dial-up, yeah. ADSL. I was also on dial-up. Yeah, I was uh, indeed. Yeah, ADSL only came in in two thousand and three, I think. 
There was a period in 99 that I was on a wireless network in Cape Town. There was uh, this. No, it wasn't Centec. It was uh, kind of an unofficial. These guys were operating in a gray area. Okay. I mean, they were, they were running a legitimate ISP. I don't know how they did it. They still are. They, the company, I still actually see the guys around from time to time. But yeah, they had a two meg line and they were they were selling off 128k connections <laughs> for 600 rand a month or something. Right. And that was 24-7 internet without dialing up. Wow. Wow. Back in those days, that was incredible. In 99, yeah, yeah. Do you, do you, do you still remember Telcom 7 Rand Weekend Special? Oof. Yes, man. <laughs> Nobody could get hold of you on your phone the weekends, right? It was yes. just dialing in. Permanently connected. Um, and how, how often did your line drop? Because I remember a few drops over the, the period. So you had to pay 14 rand. Yes, I, I do remember it dropping a few times. A friend of mine had an ISDN connection to get um, maximum speed out of the seven. <laughs> I think he was getting like an extra 10 kilobits a second. Um, and he, he would connect on a, I think it started on a Friday evening, if I remember correctly. So he'd connect five minutes after, you know, due to start and, and he'd connect all the way through to Monday morning or whenever mm. it was. Uh, and he'd download as much stuff as he possibly could on that line, maxed mm. out the whole weekend. We, we yeah, there wasn't, along much, <laughs> there wasn't much else to do, right, with the internet. I mean, there was a few sites you could browse, and but downloading was… BitTorrent. Was it, yeah, BitTorrent. Was it BitTorrent? Well, even back no, then, was Napster. Napster, Napster. <laughs> Oh, oh, the battle days. <laughs> yeah, man, a life. <laughs> but, but we digress. I just want to quickly come back to the Matrix. I mean, sure. considering it's, it's 20 years, did you know that Will Smith turned down the role for the Matrix? I didn't. He was, um, he was uh, originally going to be Neo, and Val Kilmer was going to be Morpheus. Okay. There's actually there's actually a very cool video clip uh, or clip on uh, on um, Will Smith's YouTube channel where he actually talks about it. He, he essentially turned down the Matrix for Wild Wild West because oh. he wanted to get out of. He didn't want to become the alien guy. He didn't want to become the alien actor. Right. Or that he kind of that kind of sci-fi movie. I think uh, the alien connotation. He didn't want to do that. But he also explains how he was pitched. He was pitched essentially the Matrix based on that opening scene where the Wachowski brothers came in and said, I don't do this justice. You must actually hear him do it. But he talks about how that the person jumps and then the camera pans around and then it's time stops. And it's very funny how he explains it. Hmm. But yeah, he's, it, he turned down that role. But I think, I think um, the way it turned out was perfect. I mean, I wouldn't imagine Morpheus as any other character. Yes. You yes. know what I'm saying? Yes. Yeah, I must watch it yeah, again. Good time I must watch it again. I must watch it again. Um, with that other Will Smith movie he did with the zombies. What was that called? Do you remember that one? Oh, yes. That was such a um, good movie. I something, isn't it? I, no, that's iRobot. Well, it wasn't um, iRobot. Um, it, it was the one where he, um, didn't he have a dog as a companion? Uh, yeah, wasn't he a survivor, last survivor on Earth yeah, or something? And yeah, the, zom yeah, yeah. the zombies uh, came, out, came out at night and... Um, uh, that was such a good movie. I can't remember what it was I called. am legend. I am, I am legend. legend. That's right. That's it. Yeah. That was excellent. Has Will Smith done any movies lately? I haven't seen his name much lately. Yeah, he's done. Uh, I'm sure he's done a few, but I remember watching. He did that Netflix one, that Netflix movie most re well recently, this don't last think, year, I think. I don't think uh, I watched that. I can't remember what it was called. Um Bad Boys is coming up, the new Bad Boys movie. Oh, they're making a new one. I love that yeah, movie. Yeah, yeah. He was in Suicide Squad. Uh, that Didn't was another that. one I remember. Was a, that was a great movie. I really enjoyed it. It was, it was a bit of a mishmash, and I know a lot of people don't like it, but I thought it was great. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I don't watch let's not, let's not, Sorry, let's not, rem let's not forget Hancock, that really weird superhero movie oh, that, he was yes. playing. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, oh, yeah. I, I must say, I, have, I don't watch movies that much anymore with streaming. I, mm. I tend to watch mm. a lot of Netflix shows and stuff, and and even some Showmax these days. But um, um, I don't go to the movies anymore. I don't know about you. Yeah, no, neither do I. I do want to go watch um, this new Avengers or the yeah the what's this called? Oh, you know, that's how that's how I'm into pop culture. I can't remember the name of these movies, but the new Avengers, the End Game, I think it's called. These um, Marvel movies. The Marvel movies, yeah, uh, not, so in, not my scene. <laughs> the last one in uh, in the in uh, the series, so it's kind of going to wrap it up, I believe. Okay, it's going to be interesting. Um, but yeah, everything is for me. It's YouTube. Uh, you, there's so much good content on yeah. there. You know, a lot of relevant, not not necessarily uh, uh, fictional entertainment. But yeah. there's a lot of really good content on there that I like to consume. Yeah. and then for for everything else, there's Netflix series. Yeah. 
You know what my new favorite thing is uh, on YouTube is is watching um, pilot videos, um, pilots uh, playing X Plane Eleven, the flight simulator, and doing <laughs> and doing real flights, and it's absolutely fascinating. I must have watched four or five of these now, and I, I can't get enough of them. Um, and there's some local ones as well, um, you know, Durban, Joburg, Cape Town flights. Um, but mm. the, the American guys are very good because they they explain exactly what they're doing as they fly the the seven three seven or whatever plane it is. Nice. And nice. And, you have, and they and they chat to and they do them live on on YouTube. But the the ones that are, are recorded already are also worth watching. Um, and they take questions from people who wa- who are watching the video live. Um, and he goes through the checklist. Um, you know, p- pulling away from the from the uh, doors at the airport. Going through the taxi, talking to air traffic control, taking off, um, talking you through the flight, showing you everything that's that he's doing in terms of the, um, you know, all the buttons and that he's got to press and all the the ATC clearances he's got to do, and hmm. looks out the window and it's a bit a bit boring. And um, I saw one of them. One guy's even wants to um, set up set it up so that um, you can go into the back of the aircraft, which you can do in X Plane Eleven. And oh, yeah. and go to yeah the um, you know the TVs in the back of the seats, <laughs> and on a long haul flight, go back there and show people on YouTube. We have people watching him on YouTube watching a movie uh, <laughs> <laughs> as a passenger. Um, it's all kind of fun, uh, but it, it, you know the landing and takeoff and the the discussions he has with air traffic control and with people watching him on YouTube. Um, well, this is one guy I was happened to look at be looking at. I can't remember his name, but he he re- regularly does this on YouTube. It's um, it's what he does for fun, and um, and every weekend he d- takes out a flight, and um, hmm. and uh, he gets you know hundreds, if not thousands, of people watching him live. It's 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 it sounds boring, but it's actually quite quite interesting, if, especially if you fly a lot and you don't actually mm. know what those pilots are doing and and what's involved in landing a plane and all the checklists and and all the all the different things they have to do during a flight. It's actually very interesting. And X Plane Eleven is such a good flight simulator. It's it's actually mind blowing. Um, mind-blowingly realistic. <laughs> Duncan, I can't believe I'm saying this, but you actually you actually enjoy watching game streams. I do, and certainly when it comes to <laughs> flight simulators. Yeah, <laughs> but I mean, you can understand the fascination with people watching other people playing games. Yes. I'd never understood it until I started watching some of the games that I enjoy playing. I mean, it's no point in watching something you're never going to play yourself, really, unless you're going to watch it, just kind of want to see the gameplay. Yeah. But the real fun is is seeing other people. It's it's kind of part strategy, and with flight sim, it's kind of part understanding. So if you want to go play it, you would play with some reference of yes. what a real pilot would do. You wouldn't – I mean, there's no manual for a lot of these things, right? Mm. Like games come out with manuals. So it's it's fascinating from that point of view to see other people doing – even even on YouTube, watching other people doing a craft, making music. Yeah. Yeah. Doing something, creating this no, it's behind the scenes. It's I mean, I love. I mean, when we, I, I haven't played PUBG in a while, but um, when when I was playing PUBG, uh, and uh, invariably I got killed quite early on. I'd actually <laughs> carry on watching the other players because um, mm. uh, th- those who haven't played PUBG, you actually get to. Um, they then you get a view of another player and. It, it, Passes you off to the, and you can f- watch the final player finishing it off, and um, mm. it's actually absolutely fascinating to see how good the guys are by the time they win their chicken dinner. <laughs> oh yeah, but I mean, f- for ga- well, the, I guess there's two sides of it, right? There's the, the gamer that wants to pick up tips. So it, as you watch the guys finishing the game, you can kind of sometimes it's bad players, sometimes it's really good players, and you pick up good strategy. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then for, yeah, from the other side, it's just it, it's entertainment. Um, but yeah, to wrapping up into this uh, this um, thing that we had this podcast on the FPB ruling or potential, you know, that could impact all of these type of things. You know, broadcasting, gaming content or broadcasting content mm. that you don't own. Uh, mm. it, it, I hope it doesn't happen because it's such a good form of entertainment, and I don't, it, I definitely don't think it's it's a case of people or, or these companies losing sales. In fact. I'm more likely to buy a game. In fact, I bought games based on watching streams, yeah. if that makes sense. Yeah, so, it does. Yeah, that FPV bowl discussion was very interesting. Uh, Rachel and I chatted to Dominic Cole from the Internet Service Providers Association. Um, and if you're looking for that podcast, it's uh, talking about the, um, the the FPB Films and Publications Amendment Bill, which is currently sitting on the president's desk. Very problematic piece of legislation. Um, go and have a look at uh, the podcast mm. section on Tech Central and have a listen to that. Um, or subscribe to the Tech Central podcast in your favorite uh, podcatcher and you'll find it there. Right, uh, that takes care of this week's news um, and other stuff we spoke about. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, what's your pick this week, Richard? So, yeah, let me just get over here. Uh, sorry, Duncan, I actually didn't keep it close by, but you know that I bought a 
uh, a load shedding proof battery bank last week. <laughs> I wanted something that gave me a little bit more um, oomph, so to speak. So I bought myself uh, a Romos 30,000 milliamp hour battery bank. I mean, this thing is the size of a really big vape. <laughs> that, thing <laughs> will, you know that thing will give you enough juice to charge a laptop. Yeah, look, there's plenty of power. Actually, when I tweeted this, um, somebody on uh, Twitter actually responded with a video. They actually powering their fiber router with this thing. Okay. You just need to do a little hack with a cable or two. Um, but yeah, this thing certainly got enough juice. Um, five volt at two amps, uh, nine volt at two amps. So it's got it's got a nice range for powering kind of bigger devices. And you know, I can charge my phone a couple of times. Hmm. But again, I got it. You know, just I've got a 15,000 milliamp battery bank, but for some reason it doesn't work as well with uh, newer phones. I don't know why. It just doesn't seem to charge them so nicely. So this is my solution. But now that load shedding has stopped for a bit, I don't, yeah, it's kind of just sitting here gathering dust for a bit. Yeah. But I'm sure it'll come in handy uh, as soon as uh, blackouts hit after the election time, right? <laughs> yeah. Good night of May, blackouts. <laughs> load shedding is back. Oh, yeah. Um, uh, my pick this week is an app that's been around obviously for a long time, but um, it's gotten a lot better in, uh, lately, and I'm finding it myself using it more and more and more. And that's uh, DSTV Now, uh, mm. the um, streaming app from MultiChoice. Um, offers you all the live TV channels uh, that they offer um, through their uh, various bouquets. Um, you'll get the uh, channels that you subscribe to based on your package. Um, but all the catch-up content is there as well, much more co- catch-up content than, you, um, than you'd get on your PVR, although obviously you get the streaming content on your PVR as well now. Um, but um, I use it mainly for live TV. When I'm sitting at my desk, um, often want, need to watch uh, ENCA or SABC News or Bloomberg or one of those channels. Um, and um, I find it very convenient. I just pop it up in a window, pop it up on a second monitor, and um, I can keep an eye on, I don't know, state capture commission hearings or whatever it is that's going on <laughs> on that particular day. And um, the app, I'd say a year ago, a year and a half ago, had some, some real issues like stuttering when streaming, uh, quite a lot of buffering and stuff, and they seem to have sorted all of that out now, and it's pretty rock solid. So I thought I'd give them a, a shout-out, and that's the DSTV Now app. Pretty good. And um, I think that's our show. Rechot, um will you put your song pick on the show notes so I can grab it up in Spotify? Um, our, uh, our winner this week is Bitcoin, um, for obvious reasons. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. And long may it continue. And uh, Rechot, unless you have um, someone you want to pick on, we don't, uh, we don't have a loser this week. Yeah, no, I, I'm not going to pick me on people mood today. <laughs> um, well, that's our show, I guess. Uh, do you have a song pick this week, or shall I? Uh, shall I do. I, I just I just pasted the notes in there. It's uh, a little classic from also from the '90s. If I think it might have actually be '98, '99, if I'm not mistaken. But uh, Placebo with a song called "Every You, Every Me." Oh, I know that song. Every you, every me. There it is. All right, before we play out with that, though, let's do our quiz results. Uh, the first question this week was, which sovereign wealth fund has taken an 8% stake in Liquid Telecom Group? And that is Britain's CDC Group, formerly known as the Commonwealth Development Corporation. The second question, which country has accused Vodacom of depriving the state of 68 million rand? And the answer is Tanzania. And reports say WikiLeaks' Julian Assange could soon be expelled from an embassy in London. Which embassy is he holed up in? And it's obviously Ecuador. And then following up on the fourth question, how long has he been in the embassy for? And the answer is an incredible seven years, since 2012. Almost as long as what the iPad's been out, he's been held up in one building can you believe that can you imagine being yeah indeed can you can you imagine being holed up in a space like that for so long i mean imagine um being stuck in a hotel for seven years for example mm. it'll be mm. like a prison oh it is oh, very much a prison and yeah. i'm sure i'm sure life hasn't become easier for him i mean look at where he is now right yeah. almost on expulsion and the moment the moment of course he steps out of there um he's going to be arrested mm. and uh, could be spending time in a real jail cell um sure. Yeah. I don't have a strong view one way or the other about whether um, he should face justice. Um, I mean, I've, I've obviously read the stories over the years, and I, I haven't, I haven't actually formed a strong opinion on the guy. Um, but uh, you know, maybe he, I think he's very worried about being extradited to the U.S. Mm, mm. But look, for 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 you know, for better or worse, he's certainly changed a lot of things. You know, there's certainly been pre-Assange and post-Assange the world. You know, WikiLeaks is yeah. You know, change a lot of things. Yeah. 
And the last question in this week's quiz, NASA slammed which country for, sh- for showing, for blowing up a satellite in space <laughs> this week, um, potentially endangering the International Space Station with orbiting debris, and it was India. And that's our show. Uh, we're playing out with Every You, Every Me from uh, from Placebo. This is from the late 90s, I think. This is very 90s. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Very ni- yeah. I've been on a 90s like music binge again. There was some really good indie rock music. Yeah. So it's, it's nice to actually relive a lot of those memories. Yeah. And great. Great stuff. Until next Sunday, from Richard and myself, take care and cheers. Ciao, ciao.